Hello everyone, this is Boris Grinka. Today's clinic is Surprising Wins from 2009. We'll look at telling case studies that helped achieve outstanding results for our research partners and discuss our key takeaways. In uh, 2009, we uh, found that a lot of marketers found that it was really difficult to keep their existing customers and gain new ones. So it became really that much more important that the existing customers were the key priority. Uh, and some marketers found really innovative ways to adjust to this. And we're going to some examples, uh, take a look at some examples of these experiments. But uh, I wanted to introduce uh, two analysts that are here with me today. Uh, Paul Klo, who's Senior Manager for Training and Certifications, and Adam Lapp, who is one of our lead research analysts. So let's see what we have uh, for you here today. Uh, we'll have several uh, takeaways from our key research findings in 2009. Uh, we'll talk about very uh, surprising experimental results uh, that Paul and Adam are going to uh, discuss in detail. We'll talk also about some applications that will help you in your own research. And if we have time, we'll also take some questions and answers, uh, take some questions. Uh, please use your Q&A feature of GoToWebinar to send us questions, and we'll uh, answer them when time allows. Uh, these are some of the uh, takeaways from our audience, and I uh, definitely wanted to thank Joy for uh, probably listening to, tuning into our clinics before, because it really sounds like uh, you are on the same page as we are. Making your message clear, uh, relevant to the channel is essential in optimization of your pages. Uh, so many times we, uh, we get asked about, you know, what is a good conversion rate, and it's critical to understand that if you have different audiences arriving at your site or at your page, each one of them may have different motivations, uh, is processing your offer differently, and therefore their conversion rate is different, and therefore the aggregate number is really not important. Testing by channel becomes absolutely essential, and because the technology today does allow you to do that, allows you to understand which PPC ad campaigns your uh, visitors are coming from, understand which banner ads and so on they saw before you got to your page that does allow you to optimize for that particular channel of traffic. Also, Brandon's uh, takeaway from 2009 is, is very interesting. Uh, he's saying to trust your insights uh, and not be afraid to try new things. Now, definitely do trust your in instincts, but absolutely do test. Uh, we found so many times, even on our own experience with our research partners, that just trusting the marketer's intuition is not often the best thing. It might give you, get you some results, but if you don't test, you will, may never find out that you could have something even better. So uh, thanks. Uh, I want to thank our audience for their takeaways. Now our team is going to take a look at our takeaways from testing. And the first takeaway from 2009 when demand is soft, your value must be rock solid. Now this, of course, has to do with the clarity of the value proposition. And I'll let Adam take a look at one of the important case studies. Sure, thanks, Boris. So the first uh, experiment has to do uh, with exactly what you just said, uh, strengthening that value proposition, making sure that it is rock solid. Uh, for this case study, it was uh, done with a research partner who uh, provides uh, marketing solutions for small and medium-sized businesses. And the goal of this particular test was to increase le uh, sales leads. Uh, so you'll see the, uh, the control page that we uh, uh, first started testing with. Um, the headlines don't really clearly commu communicate value. Uh, you'll see there's a lot of uh, very uh, in-depth information to the right side of the forum, which 
it's really imperative to the value proposition, but it becomes lost in that secondary column, and it becomes overwhelmed by uh, the uh, by the the form that is just telling the customer to fill out information before they've really even read any information about uh, the company or the product. Um, and so, what do we see with the treatments? The first thing you'll see is we added a clear headline. Uh, the headline communicates uh, the most valuable parts of uh, the, the value proposition. And we clarified that value pro proposition with specific numbers. 26 million phone calls are made. Uh, the company has been trusted since 1972. They have 210 U.S. consumer leads. And that, that's all information that any new person to uh, to this offer needs to know right away. It does not need to be buried at the bottom of the page. Um, also, you'll see, uh, you'll see it a little bit closer on the next slide, but you'll see uh, we made some really key changes to the form. And you can see it closely right here with the, the red font and the bullet points. And let me click forward to that. So if you look at the bottom of this screen, um, I think this may have been even more important than the headline and uh, the first paragraph that you see at the top, in that once the visitor read through the information, they read through the headline, um, they digested all of the key information that we wanted them to know. They're ready to perform the desired action. They get to the form, and the control says something to the extent of have a sales consultant call you, uh, and uh, a basic click here button. Well, that's not very effective uh, way to sway somebody towards your favor. Uh, it doesn't tell me any of the benefits you're going to give me. And what if somebody's not even ready to buy right now and you have a sales cons uh, consultant calling them, calling them? Whereas with the treatment, we completely flip-flopped the tone of the entire form. Instead of have someone call you, it's set up your free access. Instead of uh, having somebody call you to and you'll sell you on the the uh, the products that they're offering. It's all the benefits that you get with free access. And as you'll notice here, there's very little information about uh, anything that has to do with paying or giving this company money. It's all about free access. And so the results, the treatment outperformed the control by 201 percent relative difference. And that's a huge number uh, in this particular industry because you know, as anybody who's familiar with sales leads, um, those types of leads are worth uh, a lot of money. So by making sure that value proposition was placed in the, the direct path, clearly communicating those key values, and then changing the tone of the form from sign up now, give me your money to this is what we can offer you for free, we're able to uh, get that pretty substantial increase. So what does all this mean to you? Um, of course, the value proposition is critical. Uh, we find so, find so often, uh, Adam mentioned it when he reviewed the, uh, the site before, uh, that the value proposition can be expressed on the site, 
In fact, it's there. We didn't uh, come up with a new value proposition for this particular research partner. What we did is we just took the information that was already available on the site and simply put it directly in the visitor's iPad, made it clear to them, communicated exactly why the visitor should do business with this company and not its competitor. Uh, I think we might have even mentioned this in the last clinic as well, that we often find really critical value proposition information on a company's about us page, or maybe even several lay layers below that. Uh, and even though it's there, of course, it's not going to help you convert your visitors unless you put it right in front of them. Now, another key takeaway from this is that you can't rely on what we call pockets of ignorance. If you've been to any of our live uh, courses or lectures, you probably have heard our presenters use that term. What do we mean by pockets of ignorance? Well, in the kind of old, uh, in the old internet when you could just really put an offer out there and you know, just hope for the visitor to come in and um, take your, basically take your word for it. Now, customers are really just a lot more skeptical. All of us, of course, uh, who are attending this clinic are probably even more so uh, aware of how, what marketing tactics are used online, but even your just uh, regular customers are also becoming well aware of all these kind of cliche statements about being the best, being number one, being leading, uh, the leading offer, the leading product, and so on. You just can't rely on those weak statements. You need to create credibility with some very specific, uh, well-qualified or preferably quantified statements that will clearly communicate value. Uh, and last, your value statements need to be instantly credible. As I said, quantifying them is ideal. Uh, if you can bring some third-party credibility to your offer, so that's testimonials from your clients, preferably testimonials from some authority organizations who, who basically lend you their credibility by endorsing you, that is going to be critical. Again, we see all the time that companies will have a testimonials page that's a separate section on the site, and it will have great testimonials that are very, very, provide great credibility to their offer. However, not, they're not using them effectively because they're just too far away from the visitor's iPad. Of course, your highly motivated visitor is going to go through the entire site and eventually get to those testimonials. But we're talking about people who are just checking out your site, they're uh, looking for value, and they're not immediately seeing it. So let's move uh, to our second key takeaway from 2009. When you have fewer resources, have your page do more. Uh, what are we talking about here, by the way? We're talking about letting your pages do some more of the heavy lifting on your site. And I'm going to let Adam present this case study. Thanks, Boris. Uh, this this uh, case study is for a, a B2B company that uh, provides both single product purchases and subscription purchases uh, for uh, really detailed information and insight related to business. Uh, the goal of this particular test was to increase the amount of sales ready, the most qualified leads uh, that uh, we could uh, get. And just to give you a, a brief history of, of the testing process that we went through with this uh, particular research partner was that um, what we did in the past uh, for uh, treatments was to improve the, the presentation of page one. Uh, by doing some of the standard uh, things that we do, reduce friction, uh, clarify value proposition, just implement those best practices uh, that we've learned in the past. But in this case, what happened was we increased the number of leads, but we decreased the quality of leads. 
So the sales force was having to do much more work with about the same gains as they had done before. So what we needed here was a paradigm shift. And you'll see from the diagram under the treatment that uh, the, the treatment is very similar to the control where the, uh, the test design differs is in that second step. And let's take a closer look. The control has a, a long form with a lot of detailed lead qualification questions. And the most important questions to the sales force was the one I outlined on the original slide, which was, are they wanting to purchase one product, or are they wanting to purchase a subscription for many products? And that was something that we were leaving up to the sales force with the control, and we were also leaving that up to the sales force to determine with, with the treatments. So what we did to reduce costs by reducing the amount of work that the sales force had to do was actually add friction. It's something we don't usually talk about a lot on our, our clinics. We usually talk about removing friction, reducing friction, making the process as easy as possible, possible to complete. But in this case, uh, adding friction uh, was a more effective strategy in creating those qualified leads uh, to reduce the cost and the time expenditure of, expenditure of the sales force. So you'll see in the highlighted red box here, we added that short question, are you interested in one product or are you interested in a subscription package? Depending on what they chose here, they were directed to a different page. Uh, people who are interested in, interested in the uh, subscription uh, product were sent to a more qualifying page where they answered uh, a series of, I think, about six or seven additional questions. Now, the people who completed this step uh, were immediately called back by the sales force because they were the people ready to, to buy from the, uh, from the company. People who abandoned that were also ready to buy, uh, and they were sort of that second-tier uh, lead. The people who were interested in only one product really didn't need a, a sales force to call them. So we directed them to a, uh, the, the product store where they could quickly purchase the products they're interested in. These people we still marketed to um, in terms of a lead nurturing process, but for their instant gratification, they were directed to the store. And so what happened? Uh, the, the leads remained about the same, but in terms of the key metric that we were looking for here was sales-ready leads. And we increased the sales-ready leads by 136%. And this significantly reduced costs by using the resources that we had uh, online and both with the sales force more effectively uh, by matching that motivation of the customer early in the process instead of over the phone uh, with the sales force. Thanks, Adam. Uh, no, this is a really critical issue, especially as far as it relates to uh, cost of doing business. Sometimes when we think about optimization of your web page, people think really in terms of conversion rate as the single most important thing that they optimize for. But this issue of quality versus quantity of lead, leads really drives you to understanding how the how what you do on your website, how what you do to your pages, is going to translate to dollars and cents and forces you to truly analyze your entire, the, the entire loop of the sales process from your web, web page all the way through your sales team to the eventual conversion. By increasing friction on your web page, you will see somewhat of a drop-off in those high-quality in, in the total number of leads. However, by creating some high-quality leads 
through increasing friction, putting more complex forms on your site, you actually decrease uh, the amount of time that your salespeople have to ask qualifying questions so that your salespeople can, in fact, instead focus on what they do really best as opposed to be, uh, essentially filling out forms. Uh, and I believe we have a good number of resources on our website, some blog posts and case studies that really speak to this question of quantity versus quality of leads. How do you, and it's, of course it's important to test into it. How much friction can you add on your site, but how much is it going to decrease the total number of people that fill out those longer forms, but at the same time, how much do you save in terms of cost, uh, in terms of resources that you have to invest in real, t in real life to process those leads. And of course, the converse is that uh, when you create a multiple step form, when the first step collects only, mil only minimal information, you get a low quality lead. However, if you have a good nurturing process in place, and again, again that is something to test as well, that nurturing process can also convert those low quality leads uh, to sales. And so understanding all those things uh, putting all those numbers together is going to give you a complete picture and help you understand exactly how to optimize your site. Uh, as I, again, as I just said, you know, conversion rate is not this, your single uh, indicator of performance. You really need to do a deep dive into your data. Uh, when we work with our research partners, we spend sometimes weeks or even more to understand truly how uh, their visitors behave, but also how, what happens offline, how our orders placed, what is the, where do the revenue numbers come from, how do each, does each segment of visitors spend money differently, because you might find also that uh, different forms or different processes will work for different segments of your customer base. And so some of them, you might need to only put a short form uh, in front of them, and that's the only thing that, uh, you know, that particular segment can, so to speak, handle. Uh, you might have a highly motivated segment of customers where you can put a long form in front of them and they'll still fill it out. You will still get a good conversion rate. And so if you don't know, if you can't separate those segments, you will never know that you can get high quality leads from one and lower, lower quality leads from the other. Now let's take a look at our third takeaway from 2009. Uh, when customers are overwhelmed, change your focus. And I'll let uh, Adam again uh, take us through a case study. Yeah, I think this is one of my favorite. Uh, um, this is one of my favorite key takeaways from 2009, and it's actually one uh, that you know here in marketing experiments that we like to do uh, very often. Uh, we like to challenge the model that that we're currently testing with. What can we do new? Challenge those best practices that uh, that are currently in place. And so this pr particular takeaway. Uh, is one that is focused around, um, you know, maybe you've been testing, 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 and uh, and uh, you haven't received that gain that you're looking for. Maybe it's time to not change the customer's focus, but change your focus, change the way you're doing things. And so we'll expound on that uh, key takeaway in this next case study. Now, this case study was a uh, research partner that... Uh, uh, has been with us for a, a number of years, and so we have a, a long history of testing with them. So in this particular case, it was very important to challenge that model, try something different. Uh, so they were a, they are a, a consumer credit counseling service, and the goal of this uh, test was to increase the number of leads um, and increase the number of people in, interested in a free debt consultation. So we had a control page, and we had three treatments. What you'll notice on 
uh, with treatment one and two is that it's a simple page redesign. You know, it's a radical design in terms of there's a lot of different things on the page happening. There's only two columns. There's a, uh, a changes to the banner, especially in treatment two. There, we actually inserted the the uh, second form into the banner to try to you know capture those people who are ready to to uh, take the debt consultation right away. Especially since there was no uh, there's no uh, payment required. It's just, you know, give us your email address, your phone number, and you can have this free deck on the consultation. We, we cleaned up the clutter on the page and um, introduced some key credibility indicators. But what we found out that happened was conversion did not increase very much, um, which was somewhat surprising to us. But treatment three was a little bit different. You'll notice that behind uh, the uh, gray overlay, the home page is exactly the same. We made no changes to the home page whatsoever. All we did for treatment three was introduce a, a uh, pop-up overlay. So as soon as someone entered the page, um, uh, the page grayed, and they received a pop-up uh, that took away all of the distractions that uh, were in front of them before, whether it's downloading uh, uh, key information about uh, credit counseling, whether it's reading success stories, whether it's um, uh, reading information about the company. We took all of that away and just showed them the single objective that we wanted them to accomplish. So what happened? As I said before, treatment one and two, even though they were great pages, we actually thought these designs would, would do very well, uh, they underperformed against the control. Uh, the three column did better than the two column. The uh, below the fold did better than the above the fold. But what happened was we saw that changing our way of thinking, changing our focus, cha uh, creating those new tests, those new ideas, and challenging the model, and as we did in treatment three, uh, produced a significant result: 22% uh, versus you know a 14%, which equals a 63% a relative increase in the number of. Uh, leads that uh, this credit counseling company was able to obtain. So I know one thing that uh, people are probably asking questions on the Q&A right now is, uh, aren't pop-ups bad? You know, are, are, should we be doing pop-ups? Don't people find them annoying? Well, the answer is yes and no. You know, pop-ups are something that can be the most annoying thing on the Internet. But if you do them right and you, you place them in the right place at the right time, and you ensure that your pop-up uh, gives the customer value instead of requiring them to do something, uh, then they can be used very effectively and much to your advantage. Thanks, Adam. Uh, as Adam mentioned, we're definitely getting some questions in the Q&A, and I invite everyone to please participate and let us know what you think. Before we, uh, actually, let me go to our takeaways from, uh, from this case study and then uh, I'll take one of the questions we've already received. So, uh, what is uh, this case study that Adam just discussed? What does that mean to you? Uh, number one, you have to focus your visitor ideally on the single objective, and uh, this is what we uh, refer to sometimes as unsupervised thinking when you land a visitor on your page and it's not clear for them what it is that you want them to do. Home pages, as the one we just uh, 
looked at in the case study are a great example. They're very challenging to optimize because often you are forced to have multiple objectives on your homepage. They're just as long, as long as you're not offering just a single product, your company probably offers multiple services, multiple, multiple products. You also have multiple audiences you have to deal with. You can have your customers. You can have your employees. You can have even investors that will arrive at the same homepage. You need to be able to speak to all of them at the same time. Of course, this again, as with the previous case study, when we talked about quantity versus quality, it does force you to deeply think about the value of each one of those interactions and understanding how much space uh, on your homepage you should give to each, how much weight should each have. But if there's a single action that is most important, and that is what we identified in working with this particular research partner, and that in their case it was filling out this very simple short form, that was not actually a sale, it was simply uh, a free offer. We found that that is the single objective that we wanted the uh, visitor to, uh, to achieve. And so what we did in that particular test is we focused their entire attention on accomplishing that just one single objective. Uh, the other takeaway from that case study, of course, is that don't be afraid to come up with really radical um, new ideas. Yes, there are certain kind of rules of thumbs that are floating around there, things like keep it above the fold, and one that Adam just mentioned, you know, uh, don't, don't use pop-ups, they're bad. But in this particular case, you really have to think through what that pop-up does, what is the possible negative implication, and really look at your data and analytics and uh, look at the trade-off. And of course, ultimately, with all these ideas, especially the most radical ones, absolutely test. If you don't test, you will never find out uh, if your, mod your modification is really performing better for you or not. Now, let me take one of the questions uh, from the audience, and again, please do send us more. But the question was, uh, should messaging be significantly different for landing pages meant for SEO versus SEM? That's a great question, and we touched on this quote, uh, issue a little bit earlier in terms of different channels of traffic. So without uh, going too much into detail of paid versus organic, uh, what knowing about your customer, knowing where your customer came from, gives you a great opportunity to customize your landing page content to their specific motivation. Those of you who are familiar with the conversion uh, sequence heuristic that we use, uh, the motivation is the most important thing for you to understand in order to optimize your page. So if you know that they, the customer arrived from a particular paid search ad, you know what the copy or, and the headline of that ad were. You know what value was communicated to that customer. Therefore, based on that information, you know exactly what it is that they were looking for on your page, and it becomes critical for you to provide them exactly the same value. Now, that's where, by the way, um, your page search ads are also a great opportunity for you to test different expressions of your value proposition. That's one of the tests we typically perform with our research partners to, define, to identify what would be, for example, a great headline for a landing page and an easy way uh, and a relatively cheap way to test it is through, is through paid search ads because you can test that headline as a paid search ad headline or copy and then use it on your landing page because you know based on your paid search click the rates which one resonated best with your audience. So again, to uh, answer your question, this is a question from Mark in Austin, Texas. Uh, based on how your ad appears uh, in the search results, based on how your organic search results appeared, use that information to customize your page and accordingly to test also separately for those uh, organic visitors and for the paid search visitors. And one key point regarding PPC versus SEO, uh, specifically for this case study, is that you cannot use entrance 
uh, pop-ups for a PPC. Google will not allow them. Um, but that's, that's what a landing page is for. A landing page is for reducing the distractions, reducing the clutter. Uh, in this particular phase, it was SEO traffic, and it was the home page. Uh, and anybody's home page uh, that you look at usually has a lot of distractions. It's something you can't really help, uh, except for um, using uh, strategies like that pop-up to, uh, uh, to focus people's attention. And as I anticipated, we do have a lot of questions regarding the, uh, the pop-up. Uh, Darko says, uh, are you forcing visitors or are you focusing? Um, uh, because he didn't see any kind of close button. Well, there was a close button, and uh, I'm not sure uh, if it was easy to see in the image, but, uh, but uh, I, that's definitely an important question to, uh, to consider every time you do a pop-up. You, you want it to be easy to see. And you want it to see, you don't want to force anything upon anybody. Uh, allow them to consider your offer and then close if that's uh, if that becomes their choice. Um, also, Elizabeth asked, uh, you know, would this work better as a landing page? And as I said, it was the home page, so we're unable to take a lot of that information off uh, due to uh, partner constraints uh, with our research partner. Uh, most of that information on the home page we had to leave there. Uh, so it, it probably would be an effective landing page using PPC, but not for SEO. Uh, we also had a question about bounce rate. Did we see our bounce rate go up? And in this particular test, we actually did not see bounce rate go up. Uh, it stayed pretty consistent. Uh, it might have been even a little bit lower. And you know that's because you know people are able to see behind that gray background that they are in the right place. And number, number two, the, the headline on the pop-up was crystal clear where they are, uh, what the value is as far as the debt consultation, and it was focused their attention on what they should do. And lastly, but not leastly, we had a question about uh, the quality. Did the quality decrease using this pop-up? Um, well, you'll, you'll see from, if you, you might have saw from the, uh, the other treatments, uh, the form remained the same. There was no uh, fields removed. It was the same exact form. Plus, we were not skeptical about receiving lower quality uh, leads because uh, from that form, uh, visitors were sent to uh, a more in-depth uh, debt uh, consultation process. Uh, so you know, if they had completed that process, uh, we considered them a high-quality lead, and that's how we were able to segment uh, the leads based on quality. Uh, let's take one more poll. Did you have a question from the audience? Yeah, we had a question here uh, from Kirk who asked, uh, increasing friction to get higher quality leads seems like a good thing to apply to PPC campaigns as well. Uh, that's a great point, and, and the answer is, of course, it depends on the situation, but uh, absolutely it can be used in PPC campaigns. Uh, I think back to we were doing a competitive search uh, with a partner, and I came across a PPC ad that said something like, uh, our product costs $10,000, it's fantastic, uh, you should use it, and, and, and that's very general. But the point being that you might ask, why would they say that something costs $10,000? And if you think about it, uh, if they don't want to talk to anyone or waste time uh, following up on leads for people that can't afford a $10,000 product, then uh, why introduce them into your uh, process at all? So, uh, you know, that was a, an extreme example of, of using uh, friction uh, right on the PPC ad itself, uh, not to mention the same tactics that we uh, showed you earlier, uh, 
in the landing page and beyond. Uh, so yes, absolutely, you can use friction in a PC, PPC campaign. So thanks, Paul. Let's go to our fourth takeaway from 2009, and that's when it matters most, ma measure what matter matters. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so, of course, there's a question about KPIs. Uh, I know some of you have asked what KPI stands for from some of the previous clinics. Uh, KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator, and it could be any metric that you use. You can have multiple Key Performance Indicator in a given test or from a given campaign. Many of them can be important. In fact, I was just at the um, Eloquent Experience 2009 in San Francisco, and they talked about how it becomes really important uh, for marketers now to kind of connect their metrics to the P&L, to connect the conversion rates and the click-through rates and so on to true bottom line results. And I'm going to let Paul walk us through a case study that addresses this issue. Okay, so the, the partner we were dealing with here is a leading software provider. Uh, and as you may be aware, there's lots of software. Uh, it's a very competitive market. And in this particular case, we were working with uh, paid search, and those are very expensive terms uh, to be used. So it's very important uh, to really maximize uh, the dollar being spent in those campaigns. So we were looking at, in a particular case, of, of generating the most leads. That was our primary question. Uh, but what we want to show you here is that sometimes the primary question needs to be expanded upon. So um, we decided uh, to go with a test in this particular case because the overall traffic was fairly uh, uh, minimal. I want to say minimal. It would have taken us a long time to test uh, little individual uh, parts like headlines. So we decided to take a really radical approach uh, to this process. Uh, so we started with um, the PPC ad. And what we, we decided to focus on is a uh, continuity test. Now, if you've heard us talk in some of our other web clinics or been to a live event, um, we discuss value proposition uh, in depth, and we break that down into uh, two components you can use in your processes. One is continuity and the other is congruence. Uh, in continuity, we're looking at carrying a value proposition from step to step to step. So what we did here was we started by using a competitive analysis. We looked at the other ads uh, in that space and decided that, you know what, they all say the same thing. Uh, there's nothing differentiating these companies from one another. So let's, uh, one, not make claims that we can't kind of back up with some facts, and let's carry that, that uh, theme throughout the process. So we started with a control ad here, um, fully integrated free trial, and we moved to a treatment that number one on demand, and that's a, that's a very broad claim, but we backed it up by saying 6,459-plus world clients, award-winning solution. Uh, that kind of back up, backs up our claim. We wanted to carry that through. And by the way, this, this ad here got 21% more clicks than the control ad. We wanted to carry that through uh, to the landing page. And, you know, at first glance, there's not a huge difference in these two pages. Uh, but what we did was take the same uh, theme and carry it through on the treatment. So number one, software. Uh, we talk about the number of customers. We put some credibility indicators there uh, of some awards that backs up the award winning. So we're carrying that theme through the process. Uh, this landing page, the other, the other major thing here is that this is a dedicated landing page as opposed to uh, the tr uh, control where uh, visitors were landing on a page within a site. So we moved forward. 
we got 54% more clicks uh, by our visitors to this page. And when they moved through this page, they got to a form. And a lot of people don't really think about forms as being critical in the conversion process. And uh, I also want to make sure that you understand that it is absolutely critical that you measure how many people get to the form and then to conversion uh, in each step along the way. Sometimes we look at landing page and we look at how many people completed the process and forget the steps in between. And those steps can absolutely be critical. So the form, uh, the control form was not really formatted uh, in particular to the landing page and then the treatment. We, we took the form. We made it look like the landing page. We made the uh, headlines uh, once again carry through the same theme with value prop uh, using great continuity. And we got 97% more form submissions uh, on the treatment path. So what does this mean? Traditionally, we look at conversion as being from landing page uh, to submission. And in that case, we got great results. We got 204% increase uh, in this process. But if you look a little bit deeper, uh, there's some there's some other things to consider. One is that uh, we got 21% better click-through on the ad itself. Um, when you take that in consideration and also consider the uh, costs involved, we got two other numbers that are pretty impressive. That is 268% uh, more revenue in general. It is projected revenue out of those leads and a 302% increase in uh, projected profit. Uh, and this is when we take into consideration the, the cost of that traffic. So 204% uh, is great, but when you look at some of the uh, stats that really matter, revenue and more specifically profit, we see that we got an even greater gain, uh, 302%. So it's absolutely uh, critical to, to measure everything along the entire process, and the more you can tie that directly to uh, revenue and bottom line, uh, the better off you are. Thanks, Paul. So, based on that case study, of course, again, what are our key takeaways here? <clears throat> Number one is that, of course, your revenue-related and profit-related KPIs are absolutely most important. However, you have to be very careful, especially when you test, to understand that sometimes for a test that particularly performs an experiment on an intermediate step, your KPI might actually be a different metric, like a conversion rate, a click-through rate, and so on, because as you optimize your entire site, you might be optimizing only one step in the process so that, uh, for example, being able to get a person from step one to step two, you can increase the conversion rate on that step, and even though that might, let's say, not move your revenue or profit numbers, uh, that just means that you can optimize now the next step and the next step and so on until you can kind of have this domino effect of increased conversion until you do make an impact on the bottom line. And, of course, uh, in 2010, we are planning to have a special clinic really just focusing on the KPIs because we receive so many questions about, it, questions about it. And because it's such an important issue, we get questions about it all the time at the events that we show up at, uh, in our course attendees, and so on, because, really, it becomes, it's becoming more and more important for marketers to be able to report KPIs that are meaningful at the C-level. Uh, marketers are now being asked more and more stringently, you know, how much money are you making? How much money is your particular campaign generating? And it becomes more important for marketers to be able to put those answers in the form of numbers that your CXO can really understand. Now I want to take a look at a couple more questions from our audience. Again, please keep sending them to us. Uh, we've got quite a few. A uh, question from Phil. 
have you done much testing of embedded video highlighting offers? Um, no, actually, we get questions about video more and more frequently now because the technology is out there. Um, of course, everybody is wondering how can we use this best for uh, for our to for our purposes. How can we perhaps make our offer more appealing? Can we uh, provide a different kind of media for people who will prefer to watch a video? Well, here's an important thing to keep in mind when you offer video on your site. Even though video is a great tool because it can show things that you cannot necessarily easily express in words. You might have to spend paragraphs to explain, explain something you can probably show in a 30-second video to, to explain. However, uh, understand, again, and I know I think it came up already several times, even in this clinic, as in different case studies that we looked at, um, understand your channel of traffic. Are the people who are arriving at your page motivated enough to spend those 30 seconds, that minute, or we've seen sites that have, you know, five-minute videos that explain how to use them before they really introduce their value proposition. So a highly motivated customer that knows you, has done business with you before, perhaps a returning customer that you know has spent money on your site, for example, is probably more likely to be willing to watch a video. However, a new visitor that arrived at your site, for example, from a paid search campaign where they searched for products, they got a bunch of different results, uh, and they opened, you know, you probably know it from your own experience. You get a bunch of results, you open five, ten of them maybe in multiple tabs, and what are you going to look for? You're going to look for the ones you're going to eliminate the quickest because you want to narrow down those ten answers to really one or two that you're going to investigate more seriously. So if your web page is relying on video, is relying on the person investing five minutes of their time understanding your value proposition, then you're probably not going to get their attention enough before they're going to close your tab. You need to still rely on quickly communicating your value proposition as clearly as possible, especially in your headline as you start that conversation with your visitor and continue to perhaps at least a couple of bullet points or a short paragraph that gets them to understand why they should watch this video in the first place. And then you can let that video help you uh, sell your offer. Also, video is a great, um, great tool when you have uh, an infomercial. We've worked with the research partner that actually had an infomercial out and that video not so much was used to sell the product, but it was used really to connect the person who saw the infomercial, arrived at their landing page, and now the video on the page simply helped them see the continuity from the offer they saw on TV to the offer that was on that landing page. Um, did you have some questions as well? Sure. S Samantha writes in, um, you know, we've seen an increased amount of uh, visitors doing price checking on their site. Uh, I'm not sure exactly if she's referring to prices of products or even prices of shipping, but both can be a big problem. A lot of times we see uh, in our tests where uh, you get a lot of visitors, if, if you don't clearly state what your shipping prices or shipping policies are, you get a lot of visitors clicking deep into the shopping cart funnel and then seeing the shipping and then deciding that, oh, it's too high, or it wasn't what I expected, and then exiting the site right away. Uh, so if it's something like that, uh, you just want to be crystal clear about your shipping policies, your prices, any kind of sales that you have uh, in terms of your prices up front. She also asked, um, you know, how can we get those visitors to, uh, to give us their information without buying anything? Give us their information earlier in the process so that um, we can remarket to them later. And uh, you know, if, if they don't buy anything, 
or if they, even if they do, one of the, you know, the big uh, should I, should I not questions that you know, we see a lot is uh, should we require somebody to open an account to buy from us? Usually we, we recommend that you give them the option, open an account or just do a one-time purchase. Uh, but uh, even if you, if you do require them to open an account, other ways to uh, engage them would be by offering you know, those free products. Get them on the step of free before you convert them to paid. So that could be a free newsletter. That could be free webinars. It could be free white paper downloads. Uh, just to try to get them engaged, uh, get them to trust you uh, before they, they buy some products. And hopefully using their email you can remarket to them uh, any kind of sales or special promotions that you're having and then get them as a paying customer. We also had a question uh, regarding landing pages and uh, you know, top navigations, left navigations. Uh, you know, is it better to have one or is it better not to have one? Uh, that's a, kind of a two-fold question. In general, I would say it's not better, but I think it really depends on your, your visitor's motivation. For example, if someone uh, searches for Nike, you know, XJ9000 shoes, well, you know exactly what they're interested in. You don't have to have a navigation, uh, top navigation going to Nike shirts to, to Nike uh, shorts to Nike hats. Point them to the shoe page, allow them to buy uh, without distracting them with those other elements. But if their search term is just Nike period, you have no clue what they're after. So in that case, it might be good to give them uh, some of that other navigation and allow them to uh, sort of window shop through several different categories. Thanks, Adam. Paul, do you have one of the questions from the audience? Yes, we had a question here. Uh, this is very specific to the, the case study we saw earlier with, with the software company. The model photo chosen by clients represents happy staff or owner. Uh, we'll point out that in a lot of cases, I think it's, it's interesting in this particular case that we accomplished a lot uh, in terms of increasing basically bottom line profits uh, without changing what was there a lot. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a better photo. There's, there's not better graphics. There's, there's not things that we could do differently. But I want to challenge you to think about uh, some of those major concepts, the continuity, and tackle those first before you get tangled up in, in swapping out one, uh, one picture. Now, is there a better picture? There may be. Uh, but, yes, that was a client-provided picture. Um, we wanted to test continuity, not necessarily the, the picture element at that point, and that's why that has not been changed. But it could be changed uh, in future tests, yes. And that, and that brings up a, another general uh, point that uh, everybody should be aware of, and in, in that uh, uh, when you start your testing, you really want to uh, you know, have those radical designs. Uh, don't worry about fine-tuning headlines, images, uh, your copy earlier in your testing process. Find the the strategy that works first by uh, testing many different designs, and then once you have one that works, then move towards fine-tuning, fine-tuning the headline and the images and so forth. Great point, Adam. Paul, you got any other good ones? We had a question about uh, how to deal with quantified claims and PPC ads that need disclaimers. And I think in general that, you know, that that's a, a tough question to answer. In general, you want to stay away from, from claims that uh, obviously are not true or require extensive explanation. Uh, it, it's very difficult. Uh, it's not easy to, to design PPC ads that, uh, that convert well. It really takes a lot of thought in terms of 
what are the surrounding ads look like, uh, but I think that it's you can devise ads that that are uh, that connect with your audience that are different from your competitors, and they don't necessarily need to uh, have quantified claims that need explanation. So search your site. You'll, you'll be amazed uh, when you dig how much information you have about your product that can be used uh, that you just haven't thought about. We see it all the time where we have pages that have lots of information that could be used uh, in a value proposition that are buried in content and, and can be brought out. So. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, really, uh, one more question very quickly. Um, Kirk is asking, is there a benefit to moving strong testimonials above the fold? Where should they be placed in terms of the form? Uh, thank you, Kirk. And by the way, thanks everyone for providing us so many questions. Please keep sending them over. Uh, if we don't get a chance to answer them live right now, we'll, we'll answer them on our blog at marketingexperience.com. Uh, but to answer Kirk's questions, uh, question, testimonials, testimonials are what we call credibility indicators. And again, if you're familiar with the marketing experiments methodology, uh, they help us reduce the anxiety element uh, that we refer to in the conversion index. And of course, anxiety has to be reduced with maximum proximity to the cause of concern. So you want to place your testimonials uh, as close as possible to the call to action on your, on your uh, page, in your form, for example. Well, we found a lot of success in, in uh, placing testimonials right below the call to action button. However, you should absolutely test other placements to the right, to the left, and so on. And of course, use them, el use them elsewhere on the site, but the proximity to the cause of concern is going to likely give you the most results. And of course, again, please test. Now, I think that's all the questions we have for today. Uh, let's quickly go through really our kind of top line overall lessons from 2009. Adam, go ahead. Yeah, I think mine's pretty simple. Uh, I think you've heard me mention this uh, earlier in the clinic. It's challenge the model. You know, don't test those headlines. Uh, don't fine-tune those this word or this word or my button color. Uh, try to think radically different strategies. Uh, they might fail. You, you may, you know, as we've shown here, you may get those negative results, uh, but at least you, you tried something different. And, you know, every so often if, if you keep trying uh, radical designs that are different from what you're currently using on your website, you know, sooner or later one of those is going to hit and you're going to uh, get a, a pretty significant gain. The great one, uh, Paul, go ahead. All right, competitive analysis is just absolutely vital to what you're doing out there. And, you know, I think a lot of people think about competitive analysis as being this very difficult process that takes, uh, you know, hours and hours of research. And, you know, a good competitive analysis may take some time, but uh, if we think back once again to the, the software case, a very simple competitive analysis can get you great results, and that is if it's as simple as looking at the PPC or ads surrounding yours, uh, you'll get a good idea for what's, uh, what your competitors are offering. You cannot design uh, or optimize in a vacuum. Uh, you can sit here and think of all of the great things that your product does uh, or benefits the uh, for the consumer, yet um, what you come up with may be the exact same things that your competitors are saying, and so you wouldn't know that unless you looked at the competitive landscape. So um, not only do you need to look uh, at competitive analysis, but you need to have a program to, to reevaluate that because if, uh, if you are on the cutting edge and you're looking at what can be, make you different, uh, people are going to start to see that, and they're going to react to you, and it's important that you always stay ahead of the curve. So when people start catching up with your great strategy, find a new great strategy uh, and be a leader in your market. So. Thanks, Paul. Um, 
here, here's my takeaway, and maybe it's not um, as, uh, as specific as Paul's and Adam's, but it's really from my experience of just talking to both our research partners and especially um, our visitors to our courses, visitors to our trade events and so on. Yeah, if you've met us at uh, one of the industry events, you probably have heard this or you, you probably asked this question yourself. You know, um, we're not testing whatever the best practices that you guys can give us. And of course, we offer these clinics and posts on our Marketing Experiments blog that will help you get some ideas for testing and give you ideas for appro uh, approaches to testing, especially the ones that Paul and Adam just pointed out are, are absolutely critical that you employ them, but again, you employ them as you test. You can't just simply take a best practice and just copy, let's say, results of a test we uh, performed for our research partner, like the one we showed you today and we got a 302% gain. It might work for you or it may not because if you haven't done your competitive analysis, if you haven't looked at your uh, customer segments, it just may not work for your customers exactly the same way as it did for our research partner. And um, it becomes really critical that you apply our best, best research practices to your research and not just as kind of uh, set in stone truths. And I would, would, would like to direct you, as I direct uh, a lot of other people, to the resources on marketingexperience.com to help you structure your tests, both get ideas for testing and also get ideas for test management. Uh, for example, what Adam mentioned, how, what do you test first? You go with a radical redesign and then you refine. Uh, the question that Paul just asked, uh, answered a couple of minutes ago, someone was asking a question about an image. It's really important to understand uh, how you can prioritize different things you can test on your site. Because uh, while testing, you know, you may have the tools to test, but you're not testing, if you're not testing the right thing, you might be simply wasting your time because, of course, you can't run a lot of multiple tests uh, on a site where visitors might jump from one page to another and then be exposed to different test areas and then of course you get interaction that will really, really muddy up your results. So that's all we had for today. Now our upcoming clinic on December 2nd is going to focus on email and uh, the relevance of your email messages how frequently you should send your emails, email sends, how you should space out your email campaigns, and of course, ever critical measurement of the results from your email campaigns. Uh, we just talked earlier about KPIs being extremely important, and we're going to come back to that issue in terms of email in our clinic on December 2nd. Uh, and of course, uh, go ahead and subscribe at marketingexperience.com to get this and future clinic invitations. We also will have this clinic available for you for download in about a week from marketingexperience.com and you're going to get an email notifying when it becomes available. Uh, when you exit this clinic, please do fill out the survey. We really want to hear your feedback. It helps us shape future clinics, helps us understand what, are, what challenges you're facing, what questions you have, what information was useful to you from this clinic, what information you would like to get in the future, uh, what you liked and disliked, of course, helps us uh, present you a better product. Uh, on December 10th, we're going to be teaching our optimization course in New York City at Min Online Headquarters, and marketingexperiments.com slash training will point you uh, to a way to get into that course. Then, of course, if you're interested in becoming one of our research partners, there's a URL on the screen, and you can contact us for that as well. Uh, thanks, everyone, and uh, have fun testing.